Welcome back to the Castro Files, hello, everybody. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you? Awesome. Yeah. Doing even better now that I have the audio set up for the second recording of this episode. <laughs> it's all good. It's, you, you just get to know it a little bit better on our side. Yeah, so. exactly. Thank you guys again for, for joining us on the Castro Files. I've got an axe murderer story today. Yeah. So that's a pretty fun one. It's in New Orleans. There are a lot of axe murderer stories about uh, in, out and about. Really? Yeah, evidently. I've, I've, uh... I've this one's pretty gruesome, okay. so you're ready to jump in? Let's do it. All right, so this is out on legendsofamerica.com, okay. and it is the Axeman of New Orleans. Ooh. All right, so for over a year, from May 19th, May 1918 to October 1919, the city of New Orleans, Louisiana, was in a frenzied panic over a roaming serial killer dubbed the Axeman. The first to succumb to his sharp to his sharp blade of the axeman was an Italian grocer named Joseph Maggio and his wife Catherine on May 23rd, 1918. As they lay sleeping in their apartment above the Maggio grocery store, the killer cut the couple's throats with a straight razor before bashing their heads in with an axe. When law enforcement began to investigate, they found the bloody clothes of the murderer as he had obviously changed into clean into a clean set of clothes before fleeing the scene. Police ruled out robbery as motivation for the attacks as money and valuables left in plain sight were not stolen by the intruder. Near the couple's home, a message written in chalk read, Mrs. Joseph Maggio will sit up tonight. Just write Mrs. Tony. Investigators immediately questioned several people, but all were released for lack of evidence. I'm not sure what that yeah, it's little kind of saying, weird. it's kind of a weird little thing. Yeah. There's several of these things that happened throughout this story. Okay. A New little more... Little few nuances. Yeah, a little more than a month later, another couple was attacked in the early morning hours of June 27th, 1918. Luis Bessemer, a grocer, and his mistress, Harriet Lowe, lived in, a quarters, lived in quarters at the back of the store. When no one opened the store in the morning, they were discovered lying in a pool of blood. Bessemer had been struck with an axe above his right temple, and Lowe was hacked over the left ear. Though badly injured, both would still survive. Once again, people were questioned and one man was arrested, but they were later released. Though the crime made the newspapers of bigger note, to some was the scandal of the mistress. After the attack, one, one side of Lowe's face was partially paralyzed, and on August 5th, she had surgery performed in an effort to correct it. Two days later, she died. But before passing, she told authorities that she suspected it was Louise Bessemer. Louis Bessemer, rather, who had attacked her. Bessemer was then charged with murder and, and served nine months in prison before being acquitted hmm. on May, May 1st, 1919, after a 10-minute jury deliberation. That's crazy. Which is pretty short jury deliberation. Yeah, I mean, clearly there wasn't any evidence if it right. was 10 minutes. It was minutes. just her word versus yeah. his word, whatever. Her versus, word, yeah. yeah. Her word versus evidence. And then nine, uh, nine minutes, yeah. 10 minutes. Or 10 minutes, yeah. after, but he's already served nine months. <sighs> On August 5th, a third similar attack was made on Mrs. Mrs. Edward Schneider, who was eight months pregnant. As the 28-year-old lay in bed, she awoke to see a dark figure standing over her and was bashed in the face repeatedly. Shortly after midnight, she was discovered by her husband, who was just returning from work. Her scalp had been cut open, and her face was completely covered in blood. She was, she, but she survived the attack to give birth to a healthy baby girl just two days later. One man was arrested on suspicion, but soon released for lack of evidence. 
By this time, investigators began to publicly speculate the attack was related to the previous incidents involving Bessemer and Maggio. Hmm. Little serial killer. Little act serial killer. So they were related? The act, the... Like the the, um, murders were related. Okay. Not that they were... Right. No, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Just five days later, yet another grocer, a man named Joseph Romano, was attacked on August 10th. The elderly grocer lived with his two nieces who awoke to the sound of of a commotion in the adjoining room where their uncle resided. The girls entered Romano's room to find that he had been... That he'd been... He had taken a serious blow to his head and was and this and the saw the assailant was fleeing the grocer though seriously injured was able to walk to the ambulance once it arrived but he died two days later due to severe head trauma the girls were unable or were able to provide a, a brief description of the killer as a dark-skinned heavy-set man who wore a dark suit and slouched hat okay. which i'm not sure what a slouch, I think a slouch hat, hat just means like down like pulled, like down? pulled down yeah okay that makes sense. Yeah. Trying to hide his face, mm-hmm. basically. Other clues of the crime were similar to the previous ones, such as the scenes were often ransacked, but nothing was ever stolen. And the, that the killer was used the owner's hatchets and blades. And that the panels of the doors or windows were chiseled away to gain entry. And finally, that the majority of the victims were Italian. Yet another... Yet another in a series of murders and assaults by the Axemen created sweeping fear in the city. Police were inundated with reports from citizens claiming to have seen the Axemen lurking in neighborhoods, axes chiseled, found in backyards, and doors and windows that appeared to have been tampered with. People began to carry loaded shotguns and family members took turns watching over their families at night. One report alleged that the axeman was masquerading as a woman. Another that he had been seen leaping over a back fence. The people were afraid, determined to protect themselves and bordered on panic. But perhaps that heat generated by the terror was somehow transferred to the axeman as the killings and assaults stopped as quickly as they had started Hmm. over the months. The fear waned and the neighborhood neighborhoods returned to normal until March 10th, 1919, when the Axemen struck again. Charles Cormelia was an immigrant and grocer who lived with his wife, Rosie, and two-year-old daughter, Mary, in the town of Gretna, just across the Mississippi River from New Orleans. When screams were heard coming from the Cormelia residence in the early morning hours, neighboring grocer... Lorlando Giordano rushed across the street to investigate. There he found that the three had been attacked. Rosie had, been attack- uh, had awakened rather to find her husband struggling with a large man wielding an axe. When her husband fell to the floor, the assailant turned on her as she, she held her daughter and begged for their lives. Undaunted, the killer slammed the axe down on both her and on both the mother and the daughter. When the neighbor arrived, Charles lay in the pool of blood on the floor as Rosie stood in the doorway with a serious head wound, clutching her deceased daughter. That's sad. Yeah. The couple was rushed to the hospital where both were treated for skull fractures. Charles was later released, was released two days later while his wife remained in the doctor's care. Upon gaining full consciousness, Rosie stated that the attack was made by neighboring grocer Lolando Giordano, who had who was the one that had come over to find them, them, right? And his 18-year-old son Frank. <clears throat> Though Lolando 
A 69-year-old man was in too poor of health to have committed the crimes, and Frank Giordano was too big to have fit through the panel in the door. The pair were arrested. Though Charles Cordemilia denied his wife's claims that the Giordanos were charged, the, sorry, yeah. they were claimed that they were he said charged they with weren't, it. it wasn't they them. were not. Yeah, yeah, it was not them, <clears throat> even though they were still arrested. Though Charles Cordemilia denied his wife's claims, they were arrested for, mur- for both the murders and would later be found guilty on top of that. Frank was sentenced to hang. The son was Frank sentenced to hang. And his father was sentenced to life in prison. After the trial, Charles divorced his wife. About a year later, Rosie Cordemilia reversed her claim, stating that she had falsely accused the two of, out of jealousy and spite, with her claim being the only evidence against the Giordanos, and they were released from jail shortly thereafter. Another weird situation, mm-hmm. right? Following the Cordemilia murders, New Orleans was again filled with terror and once again began to arm themselves. The police stated that they believed all of the crimes to have been committed by the same man, a bloodthirsty maniac filled with the passion for human slaughter. That's just scary sounding. Just think about that. I mean, you just made him even scarier because you gave him that label. Right. <clears throat> this isn't quite the time of like Jack the Ripper, like the 1800s. This mm-hmm. is the early 1900s, yeah. right? You still, have, I mean, you've got all the, well, the niceties of common or like current day, right? right. With cars and elect- yeah. electricity and stuff like that. So it's not like around every corner, but New Orleans, even now, is around it's kind corner. of around every corner, right? <laughs> it's, there's a lot of dark alleys there. Yeah. Now just put yourself back then, right? Then a new twist came upon the scene when the Times newspaper, the local newspaper there, received a taunting letter on March 14th, 1919 that promised another attack. This is from the purported axe murderer. murderer. Esteemed mortal. Hell, March 13th, 1919. They've never caught me and they never will. They've never seen me for I'm invisible. Even as the ether that surrounds your earth I'm not a human being, but a spirit and a demon from the hottest hell. I am what you Orleanians and your foolish police call the Axeman. When I see fit, I shall come and claim other victims. I alone know whom they shall be. I shall leave no clue except my bloody axe, besmeared with blood and brains of he whom I have sent below to keep me company. If you wish to, if you wish, you may tell the police to be careful not to rile me. Of course, I am a re, uh, reasonable spirit. I take no offense at the way they have conducted their investigations in the past. In fact, they've been so utterly stupid as to not only amuse me, but his satanic majesty, Francis, Joseph, etc. I don't know what that means. But tell them to be aware. Let them not try to discover what I am, for it was better that they were never born than to incur the wrath of the Axeman. I don't think there is anything of such a warning, for I feel sure the police will always dodge me, as they have in the past. Hmm. They are wise and know how to keep away from all harm. Undoubtedly, you Orleanians think of me as the most horrible murderer, which I am, but I could be much, much worse if I wanted to. If I wished, I could pay a visit to your city every night. At will, I could slay thousands of your best citizens, for I am in close relationship with the angel of death. Now, to be exact, at 12.15 earthly time on next Tuesday, March 19th, 1919, at night, I am going to pass over New Orleans. 
in my infinite mercy, I'm going to make a little proposition to you people. Here it is. I'm very fond of jazz music. And I swear by all the devils in the nether regions that either that every person shall be spared in whose home a jazz band is in full swing at the time I have just mentioned. If everyone is as a jazz band going, well, then so much the better for you people. One thing is certain that is that some of your people who do not jazz it on Tuesday night, if there be any, will get the axe. Well, as cold as I am, and crave the warmth of my native Tartarus. And it is about time I leave your earthly home. I will cease my discourse, hoping that thou wilt publish this, that it may go well with thee. I have been, am, and will be the most, the worst spirit that ever existed, either in fact or realm of fancy. The Axeman. Per the killer statement that no one listening to jazz on March 19th will get the axe, the music flowed from homes across the, much of the city. Dance halls were filled to capacity and professional and amateur bands played jazz at parties at hundreds of homes around town and no one was killed. For several weeks, all was quiet, but people still lived in fear. On August 10th, 1919, another grocer named Steve Boca was attacked in his bedroom as he slept. Boca awoke during the night to find a dark figure looming over his bed. Suffering from a blow from an axe, he survived, and upon regaining consciousness, he ran to the home of a neighbor, Frank Ganusa, where he lost consciousness and collapsed. He was then treated for his injuries, but was unable to remember the details of the attack. Like others who had been assailed by the axeman, nothing was taken from his home, and a panel on the back door of the home had been chiseled away. Hmm. September 2nd, a local druggist named William Carson escaped the lethal axeman when he fired several shots at an intruder had broken into his home. The killer left a broken door and an axe behind. That's why you carry a gun. Even in your house, evidently. On September 3rd, 1919, a young girl named Sarah Luoman was attacked with an axe while she slept in her locked and shuttered home. When neighbors came to check on the young woman who had lived alone, they discovered her lying unconscious in her bed, suffering from a severe head injury and missing several teeth. Though she suffered from a brain concussion, she recovered. A bloody axe was discovered on the front lawn of the building. Once again, New Orleans was in a state of hysteria, but nothing more would be heard from the axeman for nearly two months. The last attack came on October 27th, 1919, when grocer Mike Pepitone was slain. That night, his, his wife heard a noise and arrived at the door of the bedroom just as a large axe-wielding man was fleeing the scene. Pepitone had, struck in, was struck, had been struck in the head and was covered in his own blood. His murder left his wife and six children behind. Miss Pepitone, the mother of six children, was unable to describe any characteristics of the killer. The clues... The usual clues had been left behind. The authorities continued to work on the case, but it would be all be in vain. Pepitone's murder was the last known of the Axeman killer. It was never seen or heard from in New Orleans again. Hmm. So I wrote down a couple things. I was So there were nine attacks total. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. you, you got nice. Yeah, there were nine attacks total. Um but he like of those nine attacks, I think it was like there's four right there. Three Hold or four on. actually four died. died. Count the daughter five, um, and then the guy, the last one six. So he wasn't very good at killing. 
<laughs> I mean, I guess if you're going to be a murderer, like get I your mean, stuff he left together. So many people alive. Um, but I, here's like, I think he was just, what is up with this? Pen? I think the pen just exploded. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. We'll get you a new one. Later. Um, but I think really what it comes down to with this guy, he just, it was like just power, power, rage. So a like, couple things it, I, right? I wrote down. So why so many axes and blades? That was just his thing. Why did so many people have axes and blades though? And you had to why, chop did wood that, back in why did that single woman have an axe and a blade? She had to chop wood. She ain't chopping wood. They were, they were, they were. Women were, they were way soft tougher back then. back then. They were soft. They were not then. soft. Um, and then um, that that note he had the newspaper right. Man, they gave him so much power by actually having Dude, all the jazz had, I concerts. I wonder if I, 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 we should, I should Google that. Maybe I'll put it out in some notes or something like that. What if there actually is like a, a jazz festival that occurs on, on that, that date. night? Right, the, so March that was 19th. March thirteenth, nineteen nineteen, and then he 13th said, or "I'm sorry, yeah, March nineteenth, yeah, nineteen. Okay. I wonder if there. I bet you there's something out there. But how much power did they give him? Like <laughs> that's what he was hungry for. That's yeah. why he wrote the letter because he wanted to see how badly he was impacting Absolutely. people. Absolutely. Um, that's. But then, and then he killed nobody. I, I guarantee you, not everybody was listening to jazz. I want. Uh, he could have moved off to a different area. No, because then he came back and killed. Well, I mean, after this whole, after his. Two years of no, but he came back and killed that grocer, the right. last guy. After that, that's what I'm saying. But after that, after that, October 27, 1919, of Mike Pepitone, mm -hmm. he could have moved on because yeah. there was no other murders after that. I don't know. No, the, I thought the him. last grocer was that was Mike Pepitone, the one that left six kids and a wife. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What date was that? 1919, October 27, 1919. Okay, so but that was after March 19th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, That's I don't know. It's just weird. Um, it's good. So, here's a couple pictures we've got. So, one is of a grocery store. This kind of like a, you think of, it's a, it's a grocer. It's like, you think school. of like Italian kind of deli yeah. market kind of things. And that's another interesting thing. All of them were Italian. Italian. Most of them were Italian. Or, I think all of them were. No, there was a couple. Was there? Schneider was an Italian. No. Okay. There you go. So there's a cut. There are most of them. And that's one of the, I was reading in the Smithsonian Magazine an article about the same one. Yeah. And they said it, it could have very well been a racial racially type driven type of victims. serial killer. Right. Absolutely. And here's another just kind of hand drawing of what they think the, the axe murderer looked like keep in mind we didn't have they didn't have photoshop back then back then no nope. right, that so. was a good story you like it yeah good awesome i hope yeah. you guys enjoyed it the louisiana axe murderer right thank you for so, sharing absolutely the axeman of new orleans rather so thank you so much for listening and like and subscribe if you like the show share it please. yes please because sharing is caring appreciate that and then also go out you can check the link in the bio above to or below actually to go out and check out if you want to Check out our shirts and our swag and all A that. A minor league studio link. Yep. Yeah. Awesome. Pictures all get pushed out to yes. the cast. If you're listening and not watching, yeah. you can go check it out on the Instagram. All right. Cool. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, we have guys. a good one. Catch Bye. you next time. Cheers.